Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. I do want to give us a good amount of time for prayer here tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and a couple weeks ago now, uh, we looked at David now being accepted king over all Israel. And what a joy that was that, that finally these folks said, okay, our plans aren't working, we need to surrender to the will of the Lord. And they anoint David as king, and, uh, and we looked at also just the different victories that David won after that. And in following the Lord, he uh, went and he took over the main city there of Jerusalem when people thought that that was not even going to be a, a, a chance with the Jebusites in control of that, having taken that over when Israel was disobedient to God. And uh, they said, even the lame and the blind can protect the city. There's no way you're going to take it from us, David. And David took it and had set up that, that place as the central city uh, to rule over Israel. And now, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is wanting to make Jerusalem a, a place. He wants to set up a place for worship to the king of kings. And this is an exciting time uh, in his life as he's wanting now to go and reclaim the Ark of the Covenant from where it's sitting. And he's wanting to bring glory to God. And so as this chapter starts, he's starting to gather all of the chosen men of Israel and the, the army as, as well as the Levites to go and fetch the Ark. So let's begin reading in verse 1 together. It says, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from the ends the ark of, the, of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Geba. And Uzzah and Ahio and sons of Ab- the sons of Abinadab drave the new cart, and they brought they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was which was at Geba, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And this was a time that Israel was in great praise to the Lord. This was a weighted moment, almost in a sense, the homecoming for the Ark of the Covenant. It was going to come to the central place of between the northern nations and the southern nations. This was a joyful time for them. If you remember what had happened to the Ark of the Covenant prior to this, in 1 Samuel we saw how the Philistines had taken it from Israel. And how they, they put it in the temple of, they, they wanted to put it right into their, their treasure of, of gods. They put it in the temple of Dagon. And that didn't go so well. Uh, their, their god Dagon started falling apart, if you remember. And so they sent it around to the different cities and they started to experience diseases. And diseases that started to affect different parts of their body. And so they said, okay, we need to get this out of here. We need to send it back. So they, they took two mother cows, two milk kine, and they sent it back. And then them running away from, from their babies, they sent it back to Israel. 
and it ended up in a field where men rejoiced, and they brought it then into the house of Abinadab, and it's been there until this day. And here we see everything you would think would go fine, especially with them bringing this back. David is wanting to do the right thing here, to set up a place of worship to God. But as we see in the next two verses here, things did not go fine. Verse 6, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. God is serious about his word being obeyed. God is serious about us getting God's heart and being consumed by the heart of God. And that's really what we're going to look at here tonight. I don't have time to go through this entire chapter. We're going to save the second part of this chapter for next week. But tonight I would look to, like to look at the first part of what it means to be consumed by the heart of God. Let's pray. Father, would you help us as we look into your word tonight? Lord, I pray that we would give you our heart tonight to listen to you and to read your word and to be consumed by you. So, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just use your word in each one of us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 8 starts out by saying, And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Para-Uzzah, the death of Uzzah, unto the, to this day. And David had no grounds for being displeased or angry. What happened here was David didn't know the word of the Lord. These Levites obviously either didn't know the word of the Lord or had forgotten or had neglected it. And so what I want to look at first and, and really only here tonight, I'll, I'll mention a few things, but the main thing I want to hone on, in, in on from this passage is that when we are consumed by the heart of God, we have a passion to know his word. We have a passion to know his word. The ark was not supposed to be put on a cart. It wasn't supposed to be done this way. It was to be carried by the Levites. The Philistines were the ones that put it on a cart and drove it that way, and they carried it around that way for convenience. And, but, but the Philistines aren't God's people. The Philistines are heathen. That's why they were doing this. And here, even in this short passage of Scripture, I believe lies a general principle that we need to follow as God's people, as believers. The world does things one way, and believers are supposed to follow God's word. The world can be doing things one way, but we're not supposed to take what the world does, try to make it new, and try to do it Try, try, try to do anything that's other than what God's word says. And you say, are you going to start making specific applications to that? I probably could, and it would preach well. But I think from this narrative here tonight, I believe God wants communicated really the general principle and allow the Holy Spirit to make that application in our hearts. The world does things a certain way. We, it's okay that we as God's people are different when God's word tells us to do it a different way. And we need, to be, we need to be on course and people that have a passion to be consumed by the heart of God and follow his word. 
I wonder to myself sometimes, did these people know God's word? Were they consumed by it? Did the Levites know the law of God? Did they, did they know not that the, the word of God commanded them not to touch the ark? Numbers chapter 4 verse 15 says, And when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all of the vessels of the sanctuary and the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Konath come to bear it, and they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are a burden to the sons of Koath in the, tab- in the tabernacle of the congregation. And a couple chapters later, in Numbers chapter 7, verse 9, it says, But to, unto the sons of Koath he gave none, because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear it upon their shoulders. They were to bear the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the tabernacle, all of those things upon their shoulders and carry it from place to place. Nothing could have been clearer than the word of God that these men were supposed to know. But the command of God, I believe, and I'm, I'm, we don't know this, but I, I'm going to take it in three different areas to help apply it to our lives. And there could be more that the Holy Spirit talks to you about. But I would think that these Levites either did not know the word of God because they weren't in it, now, that's highly unlikely, but, but I would think that it's not being obeyed. Are they in the Word of God? Maybe they're in the Word of God, but it's being forgotten. And that, that happened throughout Israel's history. Uh, several times in Deuteronomy, it speaks to the fact that they had forgotten the Word of God. And that can be a problem in our life as well. The third thing would be even more grievous, is that they read the Word of God, and they knew the Word of God, and they didn't say anything. They were hearers of the word of God, but not doers of the word of God. They were, and again, we don't know their hearts, but they could have done this out of convenience. Oh, we don't have to carry it. We can, we can put it on a cart and cart it around, and all of a sudden they get to the threshing floor, and the oxen hit a bump in the road, and all of a sudden it starts to tip, and Uzzah puts forth his hand as he's on the side of the ark there, puts forth his aunt, hand as his, his brother, Ohio, I want to say Ohio, but it's Ohio. He's in front of the ark. He puts forth his hand to catch the ark, and God smites him dead. Some commentators think that that was a very strange thing of God to do or a very harsh thing of God to do, and I'm going to tell you tonight it wasn't. God demands that his commands and his word is followed and we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't think that in some way that, that we're exempt from that. I think when believers start to say, you know, I'm exempt from that, I don't, I don't have to hold God's word close, we forget then that God is a consuming fire. We forget the proper fear of God. Deuteronomy 4 verse 24 says this, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. God is jealous of you. He, he wants you to know his heart. He wants you to be consumed by him. Deuteronomy 9 verse 3 says, Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them. And God is talking about the nations that, that are not following his word. And he shall bring them down before thy face 
so shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee. Pardon me. Uh, in the New Testament, then, Hebrews chapter 12, maybe a verse that we're more familiar with, verse 29 says, For God is a consuming fire. If there's ever a need to have a fear of God today in our society that's growing darker and darker today is the day. We as the church and as believers individually need to have a proper fear of God. How do we do that? By holding God's word close to us and by reading it and and being consumed, having a passion to be consumed by it. Now, I don't know what the heart of Uzzah was that day. We don't know what motivated him to hold the ark or touch the ark, except for the fact that it, it was falling. Okay, we don't know what, what motivated him to, to disobey God in that way. And so I'm speculating here when I say this. I want you to know that. It could have been possibly that in Uzzah's heart, as this, this ark was in his house for all these years, under his father Abinadab, that the ark just simply became a box, another piece of furniture in the house. And it can be that way in our lives, too, several times when familiarity with something can breed, can breed uh, a, a, a not really understanding the value of what we have, especially when it comes to that of God's word. We can become so familiar with hearing the things of God that we lose the awe of God, the grandeur of who he is. One commentator put it this way, oftentimes the only knees shaking in the church are that of the soloist's knees before she sings. And I don't want to point our minds towards the improper fear of God. Okay, we understand what 1 Timothy 1.7 tells us about that, how we shouldn't have uh, fear in the wrong way. But I dare say that in the church, for, uh, for, for the most part, has, has lost the awe of God. The awe of, I am coming to church, I am in my own personal life, able to worship the Almighty God. I get to come with believers and worship God and sing praises to God. I get to hear God's Word spoken and taught and and preached, and I'm responsible for what I hear. I'm responsible for what I hear from from God. And sometimes, I believe as, as individual believers, we can come to a point where God's Word, the Bible, is more of a book, not just, not, not, not the value that we should give it. It's, it's not so much God's Word as it is a book to us. And unfortunately, I believe this could have been the, what happened to Uzzah as well. He forgot that God was a consuming fire and they, that he ought to have a proper fear of God. Throughout history... Even before Uzzah's time, even before David's time, God showed his displeasure for not having a proper fear of God. In Leviticus, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron there, they had been given so much by the Lord and set up this tabernacle uh, system to worship God and to, and to have all of this. And Nadab and Abihu, they grow up in the, in the tabernacle. They're you know, serving with their father Aaron 
And what ends up happening? They offer what? Strange fire. How did it get to that place? How did, when God had given them so much, Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, tell us what God gave them. He said, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God's very presence. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and after the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. And the tabernacle was set up there for, for God to dwell with his people. And Nadab and Abihu, they, they live there. They, they let the grandeur of God become commonplace. And so they end up offering strange fire. And God judges them because they don't have a proper fear of God. He judges them and he kills them. And then he tells Aaron, besides that, he goes back to Aaron and he says, hey, listen, don't you weep over them because you're supposed to be a representative for me. I am serious about you having a heart that is consumed by me, having the proper fear of God. Can you think of a place where that happens in the New Testament as well? In fact, right at the beginning of the, of the early church that we have in Acts chapter 5, we have Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, as they did not have the proper fear of God, they end up lying to Peter and lying to God, and they're even given a chance, and, and, they, and they end up not having the fear of God, and they drop dead. And God showed that he is very serious about it. Aren't you glad God doesn't quite do that today? But God's just as serious. And God wants us to tonight understand and even start to understand is tonight and, and through next week that we need to be consumed by the heart of God. And that starts with having a passion to know God's word. I'm going to end with this verse here in Proverbs chapter 19. Throughout the book of Proverbs, it's a great book to start understanding what the fear of God truly is. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23, I'm going to I'm going to quote the first part of the verse there. It says, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. When we're consumed by God's heart, we have a passion to know his word. And when you get into God's word, you will start to have the fear of the Lord. And what does this verse tell us about that? when we have that? You're going to be satisfied. You're going to be satisfied. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. You're going to have and know what the new life is, and you're going to be satisfied by God. Let's pray here tonight.